0: Welcome to the Success Leaves Clues podcast with Robin Bailey and Al McDonald. Have you ever wondered what makes someone successful? What are they doing that's different? How do they achieve greatness? We believe that success leaves clues. In this series, we are interviewing very successful people from different walks of life to hear their stories. We'd like to remind our listeners that the views expressed in this podcast are those of our guests and not necessarily those shared by our hosts.
1: Welcome back to the Success Leaves Clues podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Life and Legacy Advisory Group. Are you a small business owner who thinks they pay too much in taxes? Hmm, I think I do. We can help. Give us a call or book a meeting by clicking the link in the show notes to book a free financial consultation so you can have peace of mind about your financial future. We're also brought to you by ARIA Benefits. If you're a business leader needing a competitive employee benefits package to help you retain and attract that top talent, we should chat. Check us out to book a chemistry call to see if we can help. I'm your host, Robin Bailey, here with my co-host, Al
2: McDonald. Al, favorite day of the month. You know what it is today. Happy St. Patrick's Day. We'll be giving away the day that we're recording. But yes, happy St. Patrick's Day to everyone out there. I thought you were going to say podcast day because that's my favorite day. But uh, it happens cool. to fall on
1: St. Patrick's yes. Day. Yes, it's a, it's a double whammy. And Al is wearing his green shirt today,
2: for those of uh, you just listening. I pulled out my Life & Legacy green Life & Legacy shirt today.
1: I've got my socks that I picked up in Dublin, Ireland, so I'm channeling through my socks at least today. Well, joining us today is I'm really excited about because I was introduced to this person. And we hopped on a first call and that call couldn't have gone better. And uh, I knew right then and there, we had to have this chat on the podcast as well. So joining us today is Daniil Charney. Daniil is a fractional VP of people for high growth technology firms. Welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Ellen Robin. Happy to be here.
1: Daniil, we were talking not only in our last conversation, but at the top of the hour about your career journey and how many years that has spanned. And it's always interesting to look back and say, how the heck did I end up here? And I know I do that for myself as well. So I was hoping you would share with our listeners about how did you get here? And what sparked that interest? Because you know we all started a certain place in our career. And sometimes that's not where we end up. So maybe you can tell us about that journey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I don't know where I'm going to end up for sure. Well, I got into the field of HR through my dad. He has been a leadership development guru for his life. He is one of the best presenters I've ever seen. So he inspired me and designing and developing leadership programs came pretty easy to me. It was something I understood neatly and that I am a sort of lifelong learner. So I spent my first 10 years in that leadership and development space, but became very dissatisfied with the idea that we come as an empty vessel and someone's there to fill us up. That just didn't make any sense to me in terms of formal learning. So I went down the route of becoming a certified coach, which is really the idea that we are all creative and resourceful and whole, and we have our own agenda. And my job really, and this has served me when I'm talking to CEOs and advising and coaching them, is really to figure out what is their agenda and how I can best ask the questions and guide them there and challenge them and give them feedback. So that's been a great sort of route for me. And I spent my first 10 years in the corporate world, which was challenging for me. I was definitely a square in a round hole. I did a lot of workarounds all the time. I was probably, I never got fired. I actually progressed, but I was probably considered pretty insubordinate. My last manager I remember working for was really into her fancy PowerPoint presentations and pretty well drove me nuts. In fact, I would remember being constantly sick in my last role. And it was actually because of that. My job description and for me was is a very limiting thing. So I always go into it going, yeah, that's what they think they want me to do. But I know what I'm capable of. So I really love consulting, which is really what I do today. In my Mars role as an executive resident, I get to work with hundreds of startups and then I have my own fractional practice, it really allows me to get interested in the business. And even though I have a talent orientation, you know, my impact can be kind of everywhere. And going into startups for my last 10 years, I truly believe in my motto all over LinkedIn is life is short, join a startup. Like there is nothing like that adventure of a startup and that innovation of ideas that I, it just resonates with me. And I've really turned on hundreds of people to come into the startup world. And it's been amazing working with Mars because I work with a comms team that helps us do the startup branding and campaigns that really get people from the corporate world really thinking about what are they doing? And many years ago, I walked through the Mars building, and this is how I came to Mars. And I thought, wow, I'd like to work here. What is this place, right? But fundamentally, it's a place that helps startups grow. And that's where I am today. I have a pretty well a portfolio career is what I call it. You know, I have the stable things that I do like work at Mars. But I also work with these early stage companies that are make or break. You know, they may have three to six months runway. So it's tough for them. But really, they need someone who's seasoned to make sure that they're building all the right things around attraction and retention. And that's what I do.
1: I know Al's got other questions that he wants to ask, because I see him getting ready to hit the mic there. I do. Um, but I was hoping something really cool, first of all, that resonated with me. You said you're in the business because of your dad. So I can relate. My dad was in my business for 40 years. And again, I've said it so many times people are going to be like, Oh, I heard that Rob. But it's so important to me to carry on that legacy because someone had said to me, what matters to me is when I'm gone, what the people say about me at my eulogy. And when my dad passed away, the amount of people that reached out, especially through LinkedIn, because he was known in the insurance community and said all these amazing things about him, which meant a lot to me, but more importantly, meant a lot to my family. And I thought, that's what I want. I want to carry on that legacy. So that really resonated with me that your dad had that influence on you as well. And you're kind of living through the same things I am. But I was hoping you could unpack a little bit. I went through most of my career without a coach. And then about a year ago, obtained a business coach. And it's made a huge impact. And I know what I can speak to what that person has done for me. But maybe you can talk about... Why should they consider that even if they're at the CEO level and you think, well, I'm at the top, who's going to be able to help me? What are the reasons people reach out to a coach in that situation?
0: I think even if you're at the top and especially if the top, all CEOs say how much stress they're under, just how lonely it is to have someone to talk through your feelings, what gets in your way and even your ambitions is again, clearly helpful. I mean, a coach is sort of a process facilitator to get you from A to B. And we all have goals. But also a lot of times, even with CEOs, whoever it is, we also have gremlins and we get stuck. And we also need to look at not just our business life, but our, you know, family life and our financial life and our wellness, because this is all what helps drive performance. So yeah, it can be incredibly helpful. And I think having that person who roots for you, but it's also will be brutally honest with you to serve you and what you've said is important to you.
1: Daniil, I know Al will have commentary around this because Al had a different coach than I had. And that was very purposeful. But I love that you said, because it's so true. And it's what I found. I remember having that conversation with Al and Joe, my other partner. And I said, you know, what's amazing about having a coach is that it was me talking to him and just being able to, get all those ideas out of my head and begin to think. And it's not as if he had this magical answer, but we came to that solution together because I was able to share these ideas. And you're right, having that person that can see around those corners, but just as importantly to me is someone who cheers you on and wants to hear, hey, what idea and can give you that, well, this is good because, but have you thought about this? And I think it's so valuable. And Al, I know you can jump in and talk about your experience with coaching as
2: well. Can I? Can I jump in? That would be great.
0: I can see. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to
2: get in a couple times here, but Robin's been cutting me off. So, and he's right. Exactly what you said, Danielle. Again, we went through the coaching, and and exactly what you said to someone else to kind of. Joe and and Robin will know that I had gotten to a point where I was extremely frustrated in what we were doing and how we were progressing. And that's when we hopped on board with a coach. And it's probably a complete 180, being able to just have someone to bounce ideas off of and talk to. And again, you know, they're invested, but they're not, right? And like you said, they'll tell you maybe some things you don't want to hear, and that's fine, but they'll also give you the support and definitely made a big impact. So I have a question at this point, who coaches the coach? How do you come up with new ideas? Who do you talk to?
0: I will tell you, honestly, when I had been stuck in my own life, like I mentioned the last corporate job, I did ask a friend of mine to be a coach. She's actually not a a formal coach, but she is brutally honest and I trust her and she knows how to get shit done. And she also knows when you need to leave. So I honestly I did I paid her I said this is serious, like I need to get out of this, but I don't know how to get out of this. So that was incredibly helpful. So you always need a coach same as I believe you always need a therapist. So that's all I can say about that how do I generate new ideas? Well, you know what, before this, I hope someone from IDEO is listening to this because my dream job is to work for IDEO because I'm an ideas generator person. Like it never switches off. Right. So that would be my dream job.
1: Can you expand on what IDEO is? Because I I haven't heard of that.
0: They basically paid to generate new ideas about products and services. Right. So I'm, I'm putting in a plug for me because, you know, maybe someone out there is listening and going to give me my dream job. But anyway, So I'm often noodling over new ideas and it often starts with, I read something and I'm a terrible reader. I read like a sentence and I go, oh, that's interesting. And that's all I read of the whole book. But I'm like off, I'm doodling, I'm writing, the stickies are out and it's terribly messy. And then hopefully over time, what that becomes is like a published article. So I really do like to write and share my ideas or an interview or a client service that I'm piloting. So like, for example, right now, what was Stickies has become a service that I'm piloting, which is, is all about like leveling up yourself as a CEO, right? As your business grows, you have to change from, this is my baby and I do everything, to how do you start to delegate and give people ownership over the different parts of the business? So I'm creating an engagement around that. And then I create an idea, I execute on it, and then I'm really bored of it. So then I iterate, 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 because I never do anything the same. I just can't. It just bores me.
1: Okay, so let's talk about some clues there. Because as someone, because you're talking to me and Al now, and Mm -hmm. as we grow the company, we can't do everything ourselves. And that's really scary what you just said delegating and letting other people do those types of things. I tell you, Daniil, that has been one of my biggest challenges. I still find myself as we hire people and they're accountable for these things. And I see the email come in because my clients will still copy me. And I want to take action on it. How do you get beyond? Because you're right. As you grow the company, you just can't do everything that you want to do anymore. And at some point, you have to trust in the people that you've hired to do that job.
0: For me, I've never had trouble delegating, but I think it's because I know what I want to be doing next and I don't want to be doing the same thing. So if I focus on what is exciting for me and strategic, And just say, okay, let me look at the way I'm spending my time. It gives me the motivation to offload things. But then there's a difference between delegation and dump. Like, how do you set those people up for success and give them the right information, the right training, and all those things so they can be successful? So it's hard for me to empathize with people who can't delegate because it's never been a problem for me. But obviously, I do help CEOs all the time around that.
2: (laughs) I have a quick aside. Have you read the book, Get Shit Done? I have not. I wondered because when you said that, I, I thought, okay, maybe maybe yeah, you've read that sorry, book. But...
0: I, I use bad language and it's I've been in tech too long.
2: No, it's very straightforward and to the point. So
0: I'll put it on my reading list and I'll read a paragraph. <laughs> yeah.
2: I can relate to that comment too. I find myself doing that. It takes a while to get through books because, yeah, read a page or two, have some ideas, put them down, and then you realize you spent half an hour and you've only gotten through two or three pages, but... I know. At the same time, you've gotten some good ideas, especially if you can apply them. So tell me what you're most curious about in your line of work.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I could probably talk about 20 things. But when I thought of that question, I thought about how the startups I work with have very limited runway and they're under tremendous pressure and they're businesses of knowledge. They bring people with know-how in to create value for their business. But often they don't have very good systems around how do we capture that value and actually make it part of our business, make it part of our corporate memory. That's like big corporate talk, right? But essentially, they need to be really good at this. And if they're not good at this, if I haven't figured out, if they don't cross-train or figure out how to extract that value and make sure it's in their product or we let's formalize a, a process, for example, then when someone walks out the door, they don't just lose that job, they lose momentum or they delay revenue because that employee was on a critical project or big sale and they only have 30 or 40 people. Or they lose even IP because that employee was working on a specific methodology and that was going to become their secret sauce, right? Or they lose future product features because that person, that architect was going to build a number of features or they lose customers and loyalty. You see where I'm going here, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so I really love this idea of intellectual capital, where it's about knowledge, it's about structural capital and relational. And structural is just really the conversion of knowledge to like, permanent value in your organization. So that's what I'm curious about is how that's going to work with a startup that's moving so fast.
2: You've obviously experienced that. Have you seen anyone been able to implement what it is you're talking about, like having some success at doing what you're talking about?
0: Well, I haven't done research and quantified that, you know, you see aspects of that, you see startups cross training people or making sure there's not a single point of failure, who's the backup to that person if they leave, but it's not a natural thing, right, it's the natural thing is go 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 let's get this done, you know we're not going to worry about people leaving. But if I was the CEO of a startup, I would probably be obsessed about that. Like, who are the critical people? Who holds what knowledge? What if they leave? Because it's not if, it's when. And we know people leave startups on average two years, but often after a year. And you're in a knowledge-intensive business.
2: Yeah, and intellectual capital. I mean, just the very essence of it. I mean, it's hard to capture. It's hard to not let walk out the door. And it's also... Like we have in a great extent, like in our business, that's a lot of what we do. And there's lots of cases where people want that for free, right? It's not the same type of product out there that, you know, you can point to a widget. It's a little bit tougher, I think, to be able to quantify. And like you say, be able to keep inside the company and, and know how to deal with it.
0: Yeah. Well, tech people are expensive, right? It's probably yeah. on average 150 and up. So you're already putting an investment in there. So you want to return. 100%.
1: Al and I, and, and Joe as well, our other business partner, we've often talked about satisfying moments in business. And then Al was sharing something he had done with some planning with a client who's, whose husband had passed away. And I'd comment to Al, I said, that must feel good about the work that you do. Even though there's been a tragic event, but how that person feels that they've been looked after and they're not left alone and there's planning and certain goals that they had set out together are still going to be accomplished and maybe modified, you know, because of what happened, but it's got to be very satisfying. What are some of those moments that you've had in your career that have been your most satisfying moments?
0: I would say There was, I think it was about five years back and I was working with a team. I was at Mars and I had a team and we were such a small, scrappy team of three or four people and we submitted with our clients for a best service award and it was kind of like a David and Goliath thing where we're competing against much bigger companies and we ended up winning. And I just remember sitting there, I was eating, I had just had my first glass of wine, which I shouldn't have. And then I looked up and they were calling our names. And I was like, what? I ran up there like a crazy person, just like cheering, like I was rocky, just like, how did this happen? This is amazing. Yeah. So it was like one of those nice moments where it's like, wow, what you do matters and being an innovator matters. And it was just such a fun moment to actually win a client service award, as opposed to like about yourself. You know, you're the best HR person. That wouldn't have meant you know enough. That was pretty fun. That was pretty cool.
1: That is cool. Those moments in sure. you can look back on and enjoy those moments over and over, right?
0: And I looked ridiculous, so I'm really hoping no <laughs> one got any pictures or anything like that. But I was genuinely, obviously, very excited.
2: Very cool. What does the future hold for Daniil? What are you excited about?
0: Well, one of the things I'm excited about, I have no idea what the future holds, and I don't much set any plans anymore, but I am trying on my skills as an angel investor, which has been really interesting. It gives me another perspective of the companies I work with. But I mean, this is very early. This is pre seed idea stage, right? So it's very exciting and it's huge amount of work because you need to look at so many different deals and they're, you know, different business models. So it's very complex. I've passed the honeymoon stage and I'm now into what I call the conscious incompetence stage. It's very hard on the ego. You've probably heard the model where you go from unconscious incompetence to conscious incompetence, where is where I am. And then I'm hoping to go to unconscious competence. And then the next step is conscious competence. So that's what I'm going through. It's taking a lot of dedication. I have very good instincts, I feel. Otherwise, I would have quit. Yeah, but it's hard. And what I'm most excited about is only 2% of funding goes to women-led businesses. And that's just crap. And so I need to change that. We need to change that. So I'm really focused on women-led businesses and I've joined a few funds. So I'm excited about that. But that's my side thing. It's mostly what I do on the weekends.
2: That might be a great segue into the final question I want to ask if you're ready for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So maybe you've touched on this a little bit already, but here's the question. A society grows great when old persons plant trees in whose shade they will never sit. So can you talk about any of those proverbial trees that you might be planting?
0: Yeah, I love that question. Well, the tree I'm planting and the reason I'm planting is because when I talk about this, light bulbs go off with the CEOs that I work with. So it's the idea really that customers and people both have lifetime value, right? We all talk about the customer lifetime value, but we don't often talk about the employee lifetime value. And you know that's what I see as my ultimate goal. I see my ultimate goal to quantify that, to talk about that, to influence CEOs, and really anyone who's in people and culture should really understand that model. It's really the idea that if we invest in people, we are not only going to increase their performance, and you might call that revenue per employee or however else you quantify it, maybe it's profit per employee, but you want to do that for the longest time possible. So that's extend their tenure and retention, right? It's the opposite side of turnover. And just like customers, talent walks in the door every day and says, yes. So that retention is really important. We talk about onboarding and hiring, but the reason those... It's so important to have predictive hiring. And then, you know, a quick time to ramp up is because it's the same as customers. CAC, customer acquisition costs are expensive. So how quickly can you get from the cost of hiring an employee and ramping them up to where you're actually getting profit and return from them? All of it is exactly the same. And I'm excited about, like I said, quantifying and talking to more uh, clients about it because it just really makes sense to me.
2: I don't very often do this. this, is a great answer, and I don't very often do this. I wanted to dig a little bit deeper. Why is that important to you? Because I haven't heard that before. Like, why is it important for you to have that same experience that's usually applied to the customer, Yeah. to the employee?
0: Well, now you're going a level deeper because yeah. when I look at the balance sheet and I see physical capital and I see financial capital and I don't see human capital, it makes me wanna scream because it just doesn't make any sense, right? Often when companies are buying other companies, especially in tech, they're acquiring people, they're acquiring know-how. So why isn't it in the balance sheet? It's a miss. It doesn't make any sense, right? And so I am seeing, especially in Europe, like pushes to really quantify and make that part of how we measure the value of business. And so that's why I like the idea of employee lifetime value.
2: It makes total sense. And I'm glad I asked.
0: Yeah. Thank that you. Was great. Thank
1: you. I'm glad you did too, because that's an answer we haven't heard before. And that's something quite different. I think the audience will appreciate that as well when they hear that. So, Daniel, I need
0: an MIT mathematician to work on with this. This is going oh, to be a, full, a full. Well, it won't be
1: us then. It won't be us. But if they're out there, get <laughs> in <right>. contact.
0: <laughs> Maybe you can hook me up though.
1: Exactly. Well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your journey. So interesting. I'm so glad we've met and connected. Now, what's the best way for people to reach out if they have questions about yourself or what you're doing?
0: LinkedIn, for sure. I'm on there all the time.
1: (laughs) There we go. Well, that does it for today's episode. Wow, what a great conversation. I knew this one wouldn't disappoint. If you have any questions for Al or myself, please feel free to give us a call or be joining the conversation on LinkedIn. And as always, success leaves clues.